can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. And I'm Matthew Tankard, co-host. Hey, Hannah. And I'm Matthew. <laughs> I just imagine how I said like that. <laughs> I wanted to talk today... Because we haven't done this in a while. What are you watching at the moment? Joe and I have very different tastes. Well, yeah, you're basketball. You're like the basketball <laughs> wrap up every night. basketball. <laughs> I've been watching, I tried, have you been watching The Idol? No, I tried. Yeah, I'm going to keep trying, but it's a bit. Horrible. Yeah, it's a I bit just, much. The weekend to me is not like an actor. Is that me? I don't know. He just doesn't seem like the acting already doesn't seem yeah Yeah. i feel like the episodes i don't know if it's going to continue like this but it's like they start kind of interesting because it's sort of about like her celebrity life and that's kind of interesting but then the second half is like the weekend coming in and all being like super like evil horny and yeah yeah. very horny yeah i read this thing that said how good would the show have been if it was just about her team like the pr team and her manager is it hank azari like a really great cast Someone said that would be interesting, mm-hmm. but then it just moves into this, like, is he a cult leader? Is that the premise? It seems like it. Okay. Yeah. I'm not far enough I mean, well, yeah, I'm only two episodes in, so it doesn't Same, like two episodes yeah. in. So Something like that's going on. Yeah, I felt like the fame side of things would have been interesting and mm. her and character study on her, but I feel like we're moving, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's by the people that did Euphoria, Yeah, I, know. I loved. I know, so do I, and I feel like. Such a great show. Great acting. Great acting great in that acting. one. <laughs> but I feel like they're trying to do, maybe they thought, okay, what people liked about Euphoria was that it had like this edginess to it and they're yes. trying to like real double down on that. with Double Idol, but it's like down. Way, 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 way too far. Hasn't been earned, you know? Like it's, yeah. like it's immediately out the gate. Yeah. But you're watching, you said to me, which Joe and I've been wanting to talk to someone on the podcast, is Succession because it just finished. Obsessed. It is Absolutely so good. Obsessed. Yeah. I did think it could have been three seasons, I'll be honest. Really? Yeah. I thought the fourth season. You, don't, you didn't like the fourth? I did, but I read this in a review and I agreed with it, was that it was sort of the same things over and over, the same tension between the siblings. and mm. It kind of just followed the same thing for all four seasons. I'm glad it had four seasons. Yeah. Do you know why, actually? Because I watched all four seasons in one go. Oh, well, then, yeah, of course. By the time I got to the fourth season, I was like, I think I'm done now. Like, I didn't spread it out over the years. How long are your marathons? Like, how long can you sit down and watch the telly? Ten hours. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Who was your favourite on from the show? From, from a bad mood, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try not to, mm. but yeah, you know, mm. I could probably do it. Well, you're not on sesh. TikTok or anything, are you? So, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you kind of make it up. And I feel so superior not being on there, but I've just admitted to doing 10 hours <laughs> yeah, sessions, so yeah, that yeah. might be worse. Who's your favourite character? <sighs> probably Kendall. I know that's probably what? boring to say, but I find him so funny. Oh, my God, mine's Tom. Him, him going... Hey, bro. Oh, my God. Tom and Greg. Tom yeah, and Greg. The funniest. The, the best duo that 
I've ever seen on TV. I remember love it. It was like maybe in the first season or second season where Tom, as usual, is like going to betray Greg somehow. And he goes, you need to break a few Gregs to make a Tomlet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best line. I think my favourite part with Tom was he had a prison consultant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So if you don't watch the series, Tom was facing going to prison and he hired a prison consultant to do, like, reports about what prison was yeah, going to be yeah. like. And he's like, I can handle this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I can do this. Yeah, he's, that like, was, the most that loyal, was... amazing, well. Well, we won't get into that. It, but, well, you know what, I was listening no to, like, a wrap-up podcasting as well about succession and they were talking about a similar thing about how it's kind of the same thing always like they're, yeah. they're all trying to grapple for power then they lose it then they grapple again yes exhausting exhausting i can't think of it like do you know what i would have done i would have been like can you sell it give me my money and yeah. i'll just buy an island and buy buy tropical 100%. life on it like that's what i don't relate to yep. this power struggle and the stress of the power struggle yeah yep. like why not just Take the money and run. I felt that the whole time as well, yeah. but I think we got broke mindset. I feel like if you grew up in that sort of like billionaire billionaire life, life who cares? It's so boring. Like yeah. you know it already. Like they want the power. There's nothing left but power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I I think the same thing. I think like I have such broke mindset. I think oh my god, if I had a billion dollars, I'd go out and eat out every night. <laughs> That's my first <laughs> thing I think of. I'll have a hot meal. <laughs> I'd go live on a tropical island. That's yeah. what I would do. Would you want to live on a remote island, though? Surely you'd want, like, a bit of life happening there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. yeah. I feel like some I'd people say yeah, you want your own island, but it's like, that's scary ass. I think I just, yeah, I'd probably just move to some tropical island in, guess where? Thailand. <laughs> probably. Nothing's changed. <laughs> I'd buy one of those special visas called the Elite Visa. Or I don't know what they're called, but anyway, you have to pay for it. And then yeah. you can just stay there. That's what I would do. In Thailand? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You've got to show you've got like a certain amount of income, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, just so you can like pump that money into the economy. That's what they want. I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'd like to think I'd be like a philanthropist, but who knows? Like oh, I'll just have okay. charities, but I probably wouldn't. I'm glad you put that in. <laughs> keep that in, Keisha. <laughs> I was like, keep that in. Yeah. Hannah, I was really wondering if you could tell me what's on today's episode. <laughs> Thanks for asking. So today we're talking to an expert about snoring for the cringy. Then we're going to be answering some product recommendation questions from the Facebook group. And of course, our products we didn't know we needed. Today we have Dr. Andrew Bradbeer from Mance Medical joining us to talk about snoring. Mance Medical is a leading respiratory and sleep medical practice dedicated to providing high quality comprehensive care for people with respiratory and sleep disorders. You can find them at mancemedical.com.au. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. For our first question, we wanted to know what's actually happening in the mouth or throat to create the snoring sound. Uh, good question. There's a few things happening. Now, obviously, there's something happening that changes when you're asleep, right? So there's not many people we know who can snore when they're awake. Something changes. And usually that change is in the back of the throat. So there's a little bit of change in the nasal airway. The nasal airway is mainly cartilage and bone, though, with a little bit of lining tissue that can swell a little bit more at nighttime when you lie down or if you've been exposed to allergens in the daytime, your nose might get a bit blocked during your sleep. But most of the changes happen in the back of the throat, around the back base of the tongue, where it's a lot of muscle tissue. 
your throat and your upper airway is really quite complicated. If you think about it, you've got to do quite a lot. You've got to be able to keep breathing while you turn your head and look around. You've got to be able to speak and swallow and keep breathing through all of that. But most of those actions aren't happening very much when you're asleep. So muscle activity relaxes and your throat becomes a bit more narrow. Now, for everybody that happens, that's normal uh, to some extent. But for some of us, when that happens, the amount of space that's left in the back of the throat is compromised. It's difficult to get enough air through. You have to suck a bit harder. And that's kind of step one with snoring. And step two is really variable. That's just a question of how much floppy tissue is there in the back of the airway. And that's what generates the noise. When you've got to suck a bit harder, things start to vibrate and wobble and a bit of snoring happens. And that's what makes the noise of snoring. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can't help but notice when people have been on the drink, they will snore more at night. Is that because, what, they're just more relaxed or like everything is just not working, I don't know, as it should be, as if you were awake and alert? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything's just a little bit more floppy after too much alcohol and that really makes snoring much worse. The other things that make snoring worse uh, include being overweight. So obesity contributes to snoring. But the main thing that makes snoring worse is just getting older. It's one of those things that just happens more and more as we get older. So healthy kids don't tend to snore. But mm. when you get into your 40s as a bloke, uh, maybe into your 50s as a woman, then people without any other health issues who are generally fit begin to snore and, and snore more as they get older. That's super interesting. So apparently there are also different categories of snoring. Can you explain those and which factors might cause the different ones? Yeah, sure. There's a spectrum of degrees of severity of snoring. So from my point of view, there would be people who just snore. They just make a bit of noise, but they still breathe perfectly well through all of that. They're just generating a bit of a rumble. But as things progress, people begin to obstruct their upper airway to varying degrees. And we have ways of measuring that. And some people will have episodes of partial obstruction that occur just very occasionally through the night. And may not disrupt their sleep too much, but down the other end of the spectrum, people can actually close over their upper airway completely in their sleep and not get any air through for 10, 20, 30 seconds at a time or even longer. Now, that's really progressing into the territory of obstructive sleep apnea, and obstructive sleep apnea becomes much more common as we get older, as I've already suggested, and starts to become a real health issue as it becomes more severe. Those are, I guess, the severity categories of snoring. But there are other different ways we can look at it. We can look at what's actually the main contributor to the snoring. So for some people, I know you've had a dentist on the show not so long ago. I was listening to that podcast. And for some people, the snoring is all about the shape and structure of their face. So if their jaw is narrow or their lower chin is, is recessive a little bit, then that can be what contributes to the snoring. Uh, for other people, there will be an abnormality of their upper airway. So something like really big tonsils can cause someone to snore. That's very, very often the case for kids. It's one of the main reasons that children and adolescents, even young adults, will have tonsillectomies for, for really big tonsils. Uh, for other people, it's almost entirely a weight problem. So being overweight and losing weight can then fix the problem. For some people, it's very much a position problem. So there are some people who only snore when they're on their back, the mm, elbow in the side. It's my boyfriend. Yeah, there you go. Mm, so annoying. He turns on his back and all of a sudden I can hear him snoring. But on his side, very quiet. Yeah, and, and sleeping <laughs> on your side can be a solution unless you've got frozen mm. shoulders or something, you know, some other injury that prevents you from being able to be comfortable on your side. So there's degrees of severity and there's different causes and then there are different patterns related to you know, body position, for example. Yeah, I've noticed if I've 
I've been sharing the bed with someone who's snoring. If I just alter something, it'll stop their snoring. Like, I'll either put the blanket more on them or more off them, and it just changes it for some reason. It just, is that because, like, the change in their environment is just making them more alert, maybe, and, like, not in as deep a sleep, thus making it less relaxed, the muscles? I got no idea, Dr. Andrew Bradby. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, no, that's good, Matthew. I, I, I mean, I'd, I'd hate just to give a one-word answer. You know, that's a pretty boring podcast, but yes, <laughs> could be the answer to that. In fact, the stages of sleep, I think, are very interesting, but we see quite a lot of people, particularly women, uh, who breathe quite badly during one particular stage of sleep, and that stage of sleep is a stage of sleep called REM, or rapid eye movement sleep. REM sleep is a really important, really fascinating stage of sleep where your muscles are floppy and effectively paralysed, uh, it's where you do most of your dreaming so that that's where your brain sort of figures out how to view the world. And it's very important for restoring brain function and muscle function. Lots of interesting things happening in your circulation. But because your muscles are so floppy in that stage of sleep, that's often when people snore the worst. And lots of women only snore in that stage of sleep. So their partner doesn't think they snore because they're sound asleep at that time of the night. But if you rouse someone out of REM sleep, then immediately their muscle tone changes and they can stop snoring immediately just because they've shifted into not full alertness, but just a lighter stage of sleep. So I think that's a long answer for just a simple yes, Matthew, that was right. <laughs> so in terms of sleep quality, does snoring affect like how well you sleep? I think there's a number of different things that contribute to poor sleep quality. And we tend to accrue these as the years go by. So that includes Things like poor physical health includes the, having a partner that snores, and that can certainly disrupt your own sleep quality. If you've ever worked shifts or if you've had children who didn't sleep well, then that can disrupt your sleep quality. So I think it's important to think about snoring in that context as one of the things that can contribute to poor sleep quality. And snoring certainly can in a number of ways, but it does so differently for different people because we're all wired a little bit sort of genetically to be better or less good sleepers, let alone after we've accumulated all those problems that I've, I've articulated at the start of that answer. So snoring can disrupt your sleep simply just by noise. Uh, some people are just sensitive to the noise of their own snoring. The vibration of the snoring as well, if you're really loud, then that can contribute. And then there's just the struggle to breathe. So if you're starting to develop obstructive sleep apnea, then snoring becomes more likely to disrupt sleep the more frequent and severe the episodes of obstruction to the upper airway become. So that's one of the main reasons we intervene to improve snoring. I'd say the main reason is to try to improve people's experience of sleep because we know now that sleep is one of those three pillars of good health along with nutrition and physical activity. And if we can improve someone's sleep, then their experience of life just is better. Uh, and that's the main, the main goal for treatment of snoring. Are there any quick fixes to reduce snoring? Look, it does depend very much on what the underlying cause is. If you have got nasal obstruction, though, if you do have symptoms of hay fever or you can't breathe properly through your nose, then things that improve nasal airflow are worth trying. Nasal sprays, so cortisone-based nasal sprays, things like mometasone. What's that one there? Uh, I just, yeah, yeah, just showed up to the camera. I've got Dimista. I've become a, a daily Dimista user, which some people say isn't good, but my doctor says it's all right. Yeah, I say it's all right yeah, if you need cool. it. So the, the cortisone-based or antihistamine-based nasal sprays are okay. The, the sort of vascular decongestant ones are not so good to use all the time, but you can. And you can seek your pharmacist's advice about those. Some good ones are available over the counter. 
if you look on the shelf at the pharmacy, there will be a bunch of other things that you can try to improve storing. And lots of people spend a lot of money over a long period of time trying to do so. There are things like nasal dilators. So these look like little baskets you put into your nostrils and they, uh, they have a little spring between them, a little plastic spring that helps to hold your nose open. For some people with mild snoring, that'll be effective. There are also dental treatments. So there are things like a mouth guard that are designed to help hold your lower jaw forward. You can, you know, anyone who's investigating how to stop snoring will find those and, and maybe give them a try. They can be effective, but it's not good to use one that you buy cheaply over the internet or from the shops long term. If they seem to work, then you can talk to a dentist about having a proper device fitted up. But if storing is a real problem, uh, then it's, it's actually worth taking a bit of time to measure the degree of the problem and get an assessment of how bad it really is and see somebody who knows what they're talking about to direct you down the right path for getting it controlled. Because a little bit of time taken at the outset can mean that you fix it the first time you try something rather than just trying treatment after treatment and getting frustrated with that. So talking about that with uh, with your GP, considering getting an assessment referral on for a sleep study, uh, which can happen in a number of different settings, mostly at people's homes these days, or it may be even seeing a sleep specialist, someone like myself, can be certainly worth doing uh, just to get a, a good idea of what the problem actually is before pursuing and you know different treatments. Yeah, I seem to have a vague memory of my dad using like a bandage over his nose when he would sleep. Is that still in vogue? Yeah, they're still around. Yeah. These are the sort of cheap and easy things to try. And much like the nasal dilators, they can sometimes work. But for most of us, snoring is not a problem primarily around the nose. It's more in the back of the throat. And the snoring inevitably gets worse over time. So whatever initial treatment you try that might seem to work, it stops working unless you're really addressing the problem properly. And we shouldn't perhaps understate the impact of snoring on relationships over time. So if you're sharing a bed with a snorer for years, it really does become a difficult relationship issue. Mm. Uh, and mostly this is something that blokes need to hear, I think, that actually if your partner uh, is telling you that your snoring is becoming a bit of an issue, uh, that it's becoming an issue, do something mm. about it. And so are there any medical treatments or interventions for snoring? Yes, there are. Uh, and depending on what the cause of the snoring is, these can range from uh, some things I've already mentioned, like the dental treatments, to CPAP therapy. Now, CPAP is continuous positive airway pressure. This is the form of treatment where people sleep with a little mask over their nose or just under their nose and a little machine beside the bed that gives them a bit of increased pressure in the air they breathe to help hold their throat open. Sounds intrusive and uh, it is a bit intrusive, but it works and it can lead to dramatic improvement in the quality of sleep. Uh, and for some people, surgery is the right sort of treatment. So there's two ways in which surgery is sometimes the right sort of treatment. One way is upper airway surgery. So uh, that can be, it's not simple upper airway surgery. People used to do lots of operations to take away the bits of the throat that vibrated and caused the snoring, but that didn't really fix the problem and people kept snoring. These days, there are more complex operations that could be done on the muscles at the back of the throat that are appropriate for some people. And tonsillectomy is appropriate for quite a lot of kids and, and young adults as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really fascinating. Thank you, Dr. Andrew. I love this. Thanks for having me. Good to meet you both. Where can people find you, Dr. Andrew Bradbury? So it's Mance Medical. Mance Medical, M-A-N-S-E. Mance Medical is a practice that's our website, so they can find us online there, and there's plenty of information about who I am and what we do on the website. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thanks, guys. See you. 
All right, Hannah, we're in our education segment, and I feel really bad because when it's you and Joe, it can kind of be shared who's the teacher and who's the student, (laughs) whereas with us, I feel like I'm not really, you know, pulling my weight. I don't think so. I think that Joe was always the teacher and I was the student, but I feel she's gone away and now I've upgraded a little bit. How do you feel in those shoes? I feel fine. I feel I was preparing for this segment and I felt like I knew quite a bit. Like I actually think I knew Mm. more than I think I know. So I put a question box on our Facebook group. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, go and check it out. It's BDIQ Uncensored. So I put a question box seeing if anyone had any product recommendations. I have done some bonus episodes with my product recommendations. So we thought we'd bring that to a regular episode. So I've listed down all the questions that I liked from the Facebook group, the ones that I could answer. That you felt capable. (laughs) (laughs) There was about almost 50 questions. So I've got sort of the ones that I think I can answer the best. Okay, first one. What is a good budget niacinamide serum that isn't the ordinary? Quite a few questions were saying like, what's a budget that's not this brand or this brand? So just for context, the ordinary niacinamide 10% plus zinc 1% is only $9.50. So it was pretty hard to find anything that was at that price point. The ordinary do kind of like single ingredient serums because those single ingredients are not patented. And I mean, $9.50 is insanely cheap. So you can't really Mm. beat that price, but there are some other serums that are sort of, you know, more on the affordable side. So your favorite serum, Matthew, Viviology Niacinamide Plus HA Serum. Mm -hmm. So that one's $49. What's really good about that serum is it's also got hyaluronic acid. So it kind of doubles up on your ingredients. The other one that is a little bit of a higher price point is La Roche-Posay Niacinamide 10 Serum. So that one is 92. So it's 10 times more expensive than the ordinary. But (laughs) (laughs) actually, I just, I feel like I don't know if that was, did I get that right? La Roche-Posay. Oh, Sorry, no, I must have written that wrong. That is so no, no, funny. No, 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 sorry. I've totally effed that up. It's actually $72. Okay. Where did I come up with 92? So 92 is actually, I was like, whoops. <laughs> so <laughs> I really do like the La Roche-Posay products. And look, they're probably, I would say, more like a mid-range price point. But I would say a great serum is the Skin Institute 10% Niacinamide Power Serum. So that one's $64. I really like that serum, so highly recommend. And then the other one that I thought would be good was Skin Institute Expert Restore Niacinamide Replenishing Cream. That's actually a moisturizer, but it also contains niacinamide. So that is kind of like you're doubling mm. up on two products in one. And that one's 89 So Those were my best next kind of affordable serums. Yeah, okay. So the Ordinary, its selling point is the fact that it's super cheap because it's it's really just like the bare bones ingredient that Mm -hmm. you're using. Yeah. So with these other brands that would be a bit more expensive, is what they're offering, is that because it'll usually be a mixture with other ingredients as well? Or is it like a, a duplicate, you know, when there could be like different types of the same kind of ingredient? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I'm looking at the La Roche-Posay one. That's got niacinamide. It's got hyaluronic acid. It's got glycerin. Yeah. Yeah, so it looks like you're getting some hydration in that as well. I do love niacinamide. I actually, my niacinamide product is way more expensive. But I've got to say, niacinamide... (laughs) 
It's so good. It's so underrated. I love it. I'm using quite a high strength niacinamide at the moment. And the appearance of my pores, it just really refines the skin. It's such a great ingredient. So for anyone listening that hasn't tried it, highly recommend. Did you have any recommendations for a budget foundation for oily skin? So I don't use budget foundations. That's because I love my Estee Lauder Double Wear and it is... 67 I think dollars but do you know what it lasts so long like I know that's not sort of like budget quote unquote but it actually lasts so long it's such a good foundation so the two budget ones that I haven't personally used but I know other people have used them at Adult Beauty and recommend these so Maybelline Fit Me Matte and Poreless Foundation like I know that's like a really popular foundation for oily skin that is more in the budget price point and then the other one is Joe Loves Designer Brand so they have a velvet matte foundation so what you're kind of looking for in the budget foundation section like I don't know if you maybe you're shopping at the supermarket or something you would want to look at something that is probably more of a matte Mm -hmm. but I guess the reason that I really like the Estee Lauder one is even though it is for oily skin it's probably got more of that satin finish so it just looks like skin looks really nice but it's so good for oil I just don't think that the oil can penetrate through that foundation it really is quite amazing. So, mm. oh, and the other one that's under $60, so probably more mid-range, is the MAC Cosmetic Studio Fix Fluid. Also great. One of our best sellers at Adore. And I think that price point's pretty good for a foundation. Do you have a recommendation for a gentle chemical exfoliant for sensitive skin, please? So if glycolic acid is too harsh for you as a chemical exfoliant, I would recommend looking at either lactic acid or mandelic acid. Both of those are more gentle. The other thing you might want to look at is fruit enzymes. So Aspect Fruit Enzyme Mask might be a good one if you have sensitive skin. And then in terms of if you do like Most people know liquid gold, alpha H liquid gold is kind of one of the most well-known chemical exfoliants. It's got glycolic acid, but they have actually brought out, it's called the alpha H generation glow. And it is like, I've used it and I can tell you that would be great if you had sensitive skin. Obviously this one's got AHAs, it's got lactic, citric, malic, glycolic and tartaric acid that they've said here it's a unique proprietary blend of five AHAs so these work together to gently you know help with skin tone and texture it's got a botanical blend that's it sorry (laughs) I said that as if I had something else to say (laughs) so (laughs) that one would be really good if you've heard of alpha H and you know their stuff's really good great chemical exfoliants I would go for the generation glow but otherwise, have a look at any exfoliants with lactic. I think they're ordinary if you're looking for a more affordable version. I'm pretty sure they have a lactic acid just as a standalone. You could give that a go on because it's not that expensive. If you're finding you're having irritation, you can just set it aside. Yeah. Well, on that, other than the ordinary and CeraVe, what are your budget recommendations? Well, th- this is how this listener's worded it. <sighs> there must be other good options to keep us fabulous, even though we are all poor these days. <laughs> Yes, I know. Cost of living crisis, guys. So basically they've said they love the ordinary in CeraVe, but is there anything else that they can have a look at? So I would say there's not really much that's as cheap as the ordinary. It is just like that price point. I don't know how they do it, but usually with the ordinary, you would probably need to get quite a few products. And if you, you know, don't love 
this ingredient that they have in this product, it's going to be sort of hard to replace that because it's really about, the ordinary is really about like single ingredients. So the brands that I would suggest, did you know, I didn't even know this until recently and I haven't tried it, but I trust anything that Adore does. They basically have AB Lab. So they had their sunscreens. Oh yeah. Now they've got like all these other new skincare products, like a vitamin C luminous skin cream. So that would be like a moisturizer. They've got quite a few different niacinamide water gel, but they also have cleansers and enzymatic cleansing balms. So I'd go have a look at them there. The price point, you know, under $40 for AB Lab. Then we've got Viviology, one of our favorite, well-priced sort of cosmeceutical skincare brands. Everyone loves Viviology that tries it. La Roche-Posay is a little bit higher price point, but always great product. They've got different ranges for different skin problems. So if you've got acne prone skin or if you've got sensitive skin, they're going to have like a whole range that'll be suitable for you. In terms of like French pharmacy skincare. You've also got Aven and Bioderma. In terms of Korean beauty, you've got Innisfree. Another brand that we have on the website is Revolution. I haven't really used their products, but they're more around the ordinary price point. So you can go look at Revolution. And then the last brand that I think is probably a really, really great one and probably one that I, yeah, I really highly recommend would be Skinstitute. Have you used any Skinstitute? I'm sure I have. The purple, purple bottle. Ah, yes. They've got amazing <laughs> products, a really great price point for Skinstitute. Yeah, great. Okay, we got another one here. This one seems a bit urgent. It's post-acne marks, exclamation mark. Nothing works, sad emoji. Wait, what emoji would you call that? Crying. That's Cry- a crying. Oh, yeah, crying emoji. <laughs> I think it's crying, yeah. Or maybe angry crying. The stress emoji. Stress emoji, yeah. So I wasn't sure whether this was post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation or it was more of like a pitted or raised acne scar. So in terms of like if you have pitted or raised acne scars, go and see a dermatologist. There's going to be specific treatments that you can discuss with them for that kind of acne scars. Post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is different. That is flat. So basically I get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, but I had a look through some photos and it can really like, you know, it can be quite bad, but it also can be quite mild. I would say mine, you know, I get like a little mark on my skin and then over time using skincare, that mark disappears. But it does sound like you've tried everything. This listener's tried everything and nothing is working. So if nothing's working and you've tried everything, I'd go see a dermal therapist or a dermatologist or even like, I guess, your GP. So basically, you know, you get, have you had this? You get a pimple, you might pick it or there's some sort of trauma to the skin and then you get like a brown like mark on the skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that is post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And in terms of Dermnet, so it's called dermnetnz.org. This is like a really good website for medical information. I use it all the time. Mm. They have a whole topic post on post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation and they've got here topical treatments that you can use to lighten or bleach the hyperpigmented lesions. It says varying degrees of success are achieved by combinations of the treatments. So you you might have to mix a few different ingredients to get the like, you know, significant improvement. So they suggest hydroquinone, azelaic acid, vitamin C, tretinoin cream, which is the prescription vitamin A, corticosteroid creams, glycolic acid peels. So some of those you'll need to speak to your GP about that. 
And then the other one is, you know, sort of physical treatments. You've got chemical peels and laser treatments. So that's something that you would need to speak to a dermal therapist or a dermatologist about. But there's lots of options. So, yeah, go and see an expert. Yeah, and obviously also like prevention would be key. Don't pick your pimples. No, 100%. I mean, a big fixture in our skincare roster here with me and Eddie, who was the co-host of Mr. Beauty IQ, we have always got the pimple patches. And I find that just stops like, because I will obsessively touch it, like if I've got any kind of pimple. And we have one more for you, Hannah. Mascara that isn't waterproof, but doesn't smudge at all. So... I actually want to go and try this now. We had a fellow poster who suggested designer brands Center Stage Curl and Volume Mascara Blackest Black at $17. So I'm definitely going to add that one to cart. I'm always looking for mascaras that do not smudge. The one that I use, it's a tubing mascara. It's not waterproof, but it's bloody hard to get tubing mascaras off. That one is the SA Lord Assumptious Rebel Length and Lift Mascara. That one's $59. So that's why I also wanted to add it in a budget version for people who don't want to spend as much on the mascara. Great. Well, thank you, Hannah. That's everything. And behalf of all of the listeners in the Beauty IQ Facebook page. Okay, everyone, it's product we didn't know we needed time. Hannah and I have made the executive decision that I'm not going to be a part of all of these products we didn't know we needed. (laughs) I don't even think you would even have enough products to talk about. No, no, no. I think I just keep talking about my silk pillowcase, but that truly is a product we didn't know we needed. So we're welcomed by Gerard. Hey, Gerard. Hi, everyone. It's been a while since I've been on here. Like, what's happening, guys? I need some more gigs. Yeah, I know. The last time I spoke to you was we did a cringy combo. Hey, look, that's helped thousands of people. No, it was amazing. Gerard is the head of Brands Campaign, marketing at Adore Beauty. So what's your product this week? Well, as we were talking about just before we jumped on, I just went on a very luxurious trip to Paris with L'Oreal Pro, which was very cool. And my product we didn't know we needed is like an entire category, which is minis. Oh. And like travel size products. And I placed an order and I didn't really think much of it, if you know what I mean. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take some mini products with me. Like you always think the shampoo and the conditioner, but actually the category is now massive and you can literally get your entire regime in miniature form. So there's no compromising Mm. anymore, which like you used to have to do all this decanting rubbish. Yeah. And there's no more decanting. So it's very chic. It's very, very chic. So what's your favourite of the minis, would you say? It's very, very hard to say, but I've done this twice now in flying to Europe and it's Clinique Moisture Surge. I just sit on the plane and every half hour, like I'll go through a whole jar, a whole little mini Moisture Surge jar. So, (laughs) so good. And you end up landing best glow in the world, hydrated, like I can't get enough. Nice. But the thing with that category is like it's actually a really cool chance to try new products. So, like, if you're a bit unsure, you're like, oh, is this going to work? Am I going to like it? It's actually a really, like, cost-effective way to go and give a product a try. So, I highly recommend. That's great. So, it's good that you've got also something else to do on a plane. Like, the first time in years, an overseas flight, just a couple, like, the other month. And I forgot just how intolerable I am of, like, the whole experience of being able to just... (sighs) I don't know. I, I can't sleep on the plane. I can't do any of that. I kid you not. I had the exact same thought as you. I was like, I've got 14 hours. 
I've actually got something to do. I had sheet masks, <laughs> I had full routines, and I take a lot of cosmetics with me. Like, there's a good couple of kilos just in cosmetics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the makeup, it's the skincare, it's the hair care. There is so much. So for me, I like Minnie's hands down, hands down. And I inspired someone in my team to go do it as well. They were going to Fiji. And they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And so they they did another minis order. Totally. So I'm just influencing over here, people. (laughs) Hannah, what's yours? So mine today is Ultraviolet has a new sunscreen. This is really a PSA for all of our Ultraviolet fans. So they have just come out with the Fave Fluid SPF 50 Plus. So the way that this one's different is it's like a really, really – well, it's like a fluid. It's so, so light. It's unlike sort of the Supreme Screen or Lean Screen. It's like a really light fluid. Like all ultraviolet products, it's got very high SPF 50 plus protection and high UVA, UVB protection. It's got that really thin consistency coupled with next gen UV filters. And it also contains active skincare ingredients. It's got niacinamide and vitamin E, and it's got some other great ingredients in there. So if you're a big ultraviolet fan, I think you will want to check this one out. It looks pretty cool. I haven't tried it yet, but it looks quite, like you say, fluidy, like yes. it looks liquidy. It looks thin or sheer. It looks very cool. If you like something with a really thin consistency, yep, this is the one. Now, are you still in a relationship? <laughs> Who's asking? I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, How long's it been now? Well, you know what? I was thinking about that. I mean, it's been a bit over two years, but- Funnily enough, if there actually are any listeners here who remember me or maybe have gone to check out Mr. Beauty IQ, episode one was essentially when we were recording that, it was when Caitlin and I made it official. So oh. if you want to listen to that, okay, that's you're hearing someone oh, about to get ago. into a two-year rello. Wow. Yeah. Are you at bathroom door open stage? For going to the toilet? Well, we don't live together, but <laughs> Oh wait, okay. So but no no, but but yeah. Yeah, okay. So well, not I mean, once or two. <laughs> I think toilet. I feel like the door should always be closed for twos. I would agree with you, and I'm you sure Caitlin my- would agree with you as well. But she's more of a door open gal than I am. Do you know my toilet door is broken? <laughs> my bathroom yeah. door. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, what way? So it I doesn't to- shut. It doesn't shut properly. Okay. And so I, have, I to have to push something up against the door. I do believe having I have always have the door shut for twos. Yeah. Ones yeah. can be open. I know, but let's keep a bit of mystique. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you ever just, do you sometimes not have anything on hand and you just have to use your foot to keep it shut? No, I always have something in the bathroom. To, I actually bought a doorstop leopard. Oh, nice. it's, a, it's leopard print. Cool. Keep <laughs> it course. cool. Keep it personalized in there. But I love reflecting back with Nick about when we were traveling together, like how awkward that was at the start. Cause mm. we had only just like met really a month before, a few weeks. Yeah, probably a month before. And then we started traveling together. He used to go to the lobby of the hotel. He now admits to me. Oh, really? Like, I'm going for a swim. And that's where he'd go and do it. (laughs) But there was a time, I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast, but in one of the places we stayed, the toilet wouldn't flush properly. (laughs) I always had to, don't go in there. And then I'd go to reception and let them know and then they'd let them know about it. (laughs) (laughs) Toilet's not flushing. Don't go in. Sort of wait in the toilet and try and get it, flush it down as best that I could. 
nightmare. Okay, well, what does the Canadian do when he's doing ones? Ones, yeah. How do you like to say it, ones? Yeah. Pee, yeah, yeah. He, when he's peeing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts if he tries and just goes directly into the water and it's really loud? Do you notice that? Is this, has this come across your mind when, like, you've been... Isn't it at- always loud? doesn't have to be. Really? Have you yeah. got a special trick? Well, I mean, I think it's only courteous to go, like, you know, like, aim for, like, the bowl, not the water. So, I think that's danger. Danger. No, because what if it flicks out? No, it's more likely, I reckon, to... F- that is true. I will say I've never. He's a very good toilet goer. There's you've never, never been. You've there's never, never been. With anyone. There's never been skid marks. There's never been pee on the floor. There's. Ne- you hear horror stories of mm. like that. No, never experienced any. Wow, of that. he just knows. It's just a um, polite Canadian. Oh, good on him. <laughs> What what are your thoughts? They're so on- polite Canadians. That's one thing I'll let, I'll tell you. Do people mistake for an American? No, not really. He's got so many. A. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. A. Eh? Like you know, like the, everything's got an like A. Oh yeah. End. Yeah. There's a lot of that. You got the door open. A. Eh? A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. I sometimes wonder will he end up with an Australianized accent? I hope not. Or will I end up with an Americanized? I think I'd rather that. That'd be cool. Accent. Would you be happy with that? Imagine that you don't have to wear contacts anymore. And you're speaking like a Canadian. No one's going to recognize you. <laughs> I know, totally. When I first moved in with Eddie, he tried installing a, well, and by installing, I mean just putting there a toilet rug, like something that oh. like, you know, you put at the bottom of the toilet. What's the purpose Well, to stop? Well, I guess some would say to keep your feet warm in nice. winter or whatever, but like, come on, that's just going to get pee on it. Pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how clean you are. No, okay, sure. Does it smell like 100%. urine? Have you gone and sniffed it? Well, I got rid of it immediately. I said, not happening. <laughs> because, as in, I would fancy myself like the Canadian. I feel like I. Light bathroom habits. I know what I'm, you know, I know what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Right. But yeah. also, I'm a red blooded man. I might, something might happen. Who knows? <laughs> And if that does happen, I don't want it to just stay soaked into this weird. Was it white? No, it was like blue, but it was like just gross. I think a bad look. I feel like a cringy would really, we need to do a cringy of housemate stories from you and Eddie or from your friends. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. We can get, yeah, I got a couple. Okay. Yeah. We can do that. Let's write that one down. (laughs) Lovely to have you back again. Thank you, Hannah. See you guys. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.